Good evening. You're tuned in to Flip the Script on 90.7 FM, Los Angeles, 98.7 FM, Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM, San Diego County, 99.5 FM, Ridgecrest and China Lake, and streaming online all over the world at kpfk.org. I'm your host, Vita Starr, and in the back holding it down, we have Gary Baca, who always makes sure we sound good. Shout out to Gary. And tonight, we will be speaking with two amazing high school educators who have created a platform to tackle issues facing American schools today with their podcast titled All of the Above. Manuel Rustin and Jeffrey Garrett lead thoughtful and pertinent discussions with insightful guests who work in the education field. As amazing as their discussions are, the show's production is just as important in engaging their audience and their high-quality, top-notch production is led by media teacher William Abanye. And not just that, their team behind the camera also includes a rotating group of high school interns who assist with lighting, sound, and some camera work, providing us with, as they say, an unstandardized take on education. Manuel and Jeffrey evoke complex, relevant, and controversial issues that we need to discuss. Topics such as school choice, segregation, trauma, racism, and education, and more are completely on the table, and they are ready to chop it up. So stay tuned. We'll be back with Manuel and Jeffrey from All of the Above Show right after this. Welcome back to Flip the Script. Again, I'm Vita Starr. And joining me, we have the incredible teachers from the podcast, All of the Above. Jeffrey Garrett works in public education, supporting school transformation in Los Angeles communities with the highest needs. He directs leadership development for principals, APs, and teacher leaders for education for, for an education nonprofit. Jeffrey spent most of his career in urban education working in New York City, most recently as principal of a public secondary school serving grades 6 through 12 in the South Bronx. He began his career in K-12 education as a high school social studies teacher in East Harlem and the Bronx, eventually moving on to work as an instructional and leadership coach for a network of small themed public schools throughout New York City before returning to a school site as an assistant principal. He began his career as a college admissions officer at his alma mater, Dartmouth College. Welcome, Jeffrey. All right. Welcome. <laughs> Excited to be here. Our next guest, Dr. Manuel Rustin, is an award-winning veteran educator, currently in his 14th year 
teaching high school social science in California. A proud believer in the promise of public education, Dr. Rustin has served all 14 years of his career teaching in Title I public high schools. He currently teaches United States history, American government, economics, and a hip-hop studies course that he developed in 2012. In addition to teaching social science, Dr. Rustin also leads a mentoring, support, and study skills program for freshmen and sophomore boys previously identified as being at risk of not graduating high school. Dr. Rustin recently earned his doctorate in educational leadership at UCLA, where his dissertation, Teacher-Driven Change, Developing an Intervention for Street-Life-Oriented Youth Through Action Research, (laughs) received the UCLA Outstanding Ed D. Dissertation Award. Welcome, Dr. Manuel Rustin. Hey, hey, how's it going? Man, you did a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of words in that dissertation title. You know what, though? I think that's why I got the award, because... Most words in the title. <laughs> you know what? Dissertations <laughs> tend to have a lot of words, yeah. so that's not a problem. And you're a teacher. Teachers tend to have a lot of words. Yeah. Sounds smarter that way. That's how, Look, you got to be an example. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but the thing is, that's not a bad thing. You, both of you guys have very full resumes, which makes it very clear, at least to me, that you guys are very passionate about education and educating youth, especially youth that seem to be in areas that are often marginalized and even neglected. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I would Are say so. A little, little passionate, not, not that much. No, no, no. I <laughs> mean, it's, it is, I, I think we are both career educators, right? We've chosen uh, a field that not only offers like a job and a way to, you know, sort of manage life, but I think is feels like a great way to invest your time, your, you know, your life's work. And, um, you know, at least for myself, thinking about, you know, what can I do that can help and not in the corny sense, but help in the literal sense, like try to make the world a, a better place than it was when, when I came into it. Uh, and it's hard for me to think of a better way to do that than to to support the development, the growth, the empowerment of, of young people. And like you said, especially in the context of communities that have not been historically served well by our, our public institution called school. So, Manuel, would you say that was similar? Um, yeah, all that. Um, I mean, for me growing up, where I grew up, um, South Sacramento, um, when I got to UCLA as an undergrad, you know, it was a real culture shock for me because I went from being surrounded by um, black and brown folks to being the only black person in the room. And I realized during my undergraduate years, it's like, okay, I could feel this way or or, uh, complain about it, or I could, you know, dedicate my life to doing something about it. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's the service, you know. Do you feel that you've been able to accomplish that in your role, like really do something and make real change? Oh, I know that for a fact, for sure. Uh, you know, anecdotally, for sure. I mean, even, you know, this is my 15th year teaching. I remember my very first year teaching, I had a student who, um, you know, I, I pushed a lot and pushed hard because, you know, I saw so much potential. And, um, and then, you know, he ended up going to college and reaching out to me years after the fact and told me, like, specifically, explicitly, like, the moment that um, he decided to go to college. It was one of these days where I was really pushing him, and I don't remember the specific interaction, but he was like, yo, I would have never went to college, and uh, the whole rest of my life, who knows, you know, what the trajectory would have been, and that was, like, year one, and he's one who actually, like, spoke out about it, so I think about, you know, 15 years and all the students I've had, plus uh, whatever influence we're able to um, to get out there through this show and through all the, all the other things that we do, you know, I'm feeling like there's definitely um, change being made in that small way, but it's really about the big systemic change that I think we differ 
um, in terms of our optimism about whether or not that is progressing in a in a right direction. Oh, let's well, hear I, let's hear this differing opinion. Well, I think you, 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 so. You're the pessimist of of the two. No, I don't I think am. I'm. Oh, yeah, you're I the pessimist. He's more the pessimist. He's but more I, the pessimist. But funny enough, I think my answer to what you just <laughs> just asked would be maybe pessimistic isn't the right word, but. Mm-hmm. For me, it is like oftentimes for me, it's helpful to look for the reminders of, okay, we have had some uh, some impact or I have had some impact. So even little things like I see my former advisees on Facebook, you know, and they um, uh, finished their master's degree or they got married and have a kid or, you know, and, I, and I'm like, okay, I, like I know I had some small tiny right. slice of that success and I could like feel good. But uh, but I look at the big picture and I think there's still so much work to do. And that's not to say that we haven't made tremendous progress in a lot of ways. It's very important. But there's just still so many mm-hmm. schools that are struggling and communities that are not yet being served well enough in the way mm-hmm. that they should and the way they deserve and funding inequities and all these kinds of things that, that frankly, I think, uh, I hope makes our show actually really interesting to to tune into. But um, but sometimes it's hard for me to feel like, yeah, we, we've had an impact <laughs> when I'm like, well, there's still so much to do. You know, it's interesting. I think I'm more in line with you, Jeff. Because I feel like, yeah, I see I see these small things. I feel like, you know, a lot of the youth that I've worked with, you know, they find me somehow on the Internet and like, hey, you know, uh, you've changed my life. And that sounds great. But I feel like there's still so much oh, yeah. that I haven't done or hasn't been done that it's hard to feel like, you know, you're really making a difference. Cause it's like a small dent in such a bigger picture. So I, I kind of feel you on that. Yeah. But I also think that's kind of what makes the dynamic really good on your show is that you guys don't have this exact same perspective. Outside of having the passion for helping students, you guys have, you know, alternative views sometimes. Do you think that's kind of what makes that kind of flow? Do you think that has been a hindrance? Because sometimes people say sometimes they just want to fight you after the show. Uh, <laughs> um, actually, I think the the difference in views, um, a lot of it stems from the, our different day-to-day work. You know, so I'm still in the yeah. classroom, and um, most of what I speak about is from the perspective of a classroom teacher, despite whatever else I might have done. Like, at the end of the day, it's me in this room with these uh, young people right in front of me, and that's where I'm speaking from, whereas he definitely has more of a big picture, you know, having been an administrator and, and working at multiple schools, and sort of that difference of opinion, not opinion, that difference in perspective, I think, lends a lot to our conversation. Mm. Um, you know, politically, we're pretty similar um, on a lot of big picture issues where we're rather similar, but um, we definitely have our differences when it comes to the, the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of the day to day. Yeah. Well, if I, I just think that the literally what we have on our show, a teacher a uh, you know a current kind of district type administrator and former school administrator, um, two black men in education is like such a rarity and oddity yes. to find because education oh, yeah. gets talked about in the media. And first of all, most of that is either about like kind of abstract, you know, tax levy sorts of things that nobody really understands or it's a scandal, right? There's some teachers sleeping with the kids or, right. you know, there's some. And exactly. of course, like that deserves scrutiny in the press. Uh, don't don't let me be misunderstood. But um, but all of these big, important things that everyone has a stake in, you know, if you pay taxes, if you pay rent, if you own a home, if you have 
kids or if you went mm-hmm. to school yourself, like if you like democracy, we yeah. all have a stake in, in education. And so rarely do you get to hear from an actual teacher, an actual administrator, people who are in the business of doing the work, talking mm-hmm. about it, right? And not just policymakers or, you know. And But, you know, I will say this, and this is what makes your show interesting, at least to me, because I, anybody who knows me, anyone, anyone who's listened to the show knows I'm really harsh on schools, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the public school system, to me, has been highly problematic. And one of the reasons why I felt that way is because I felt like people always looked at the students as the problem and mm-hmm. as the yeah. enemy. What I appreciated about your perspectives was it didn't feel like that. It was like, hey, right. let's look at the bigger pictures. The students aren't the problem here. It's the systems that they are having to navigate. That's the problem here. It's the systems that the teachers are having to navigate. It's the system that the parents are having to navigate, as opposed to it being completely the students are just a problem. So you guys actually have a very, it might sound might not sound unique to you guys, but that's actually pretty unique because most of the time we're talking about youth and teachers. It's how bad the t- teachers are, the parents aren't doing their jobs, and, you know, the teachers shouldn't have to deal with these terrible children. How did you guys, when you guys developed the show, was that on purpose? Was that a conscious thing? Or was that something that just kind of happened because that's just who you are? I think that's just who we are. I mean, I don't yeah. think I'd want to do a show or interact much with an educator that sees it the other way, that the kids are the problem. And, um, you know, obviously that, that might be, um, you know, juicy content in terms of two hosts of a show, one who, you know, has that view and one who doesn't. But just in general, like I, I have learned in my years to disassociate myself from uh, colleagues who have that view, that mindset that, you know, it's always the kids, it's always the families. And, you know, this is, you know, they don't get nothing at home. That's why they come to this this way. Like, no, that's not um, how I view things. And and obviously, um, Jeffrey, you know, in his his experience, like he sees the humanity in these students, just like, just like I do. And and, I mean, that's, that's nothing we've ever talked about. I think we wouldn't even be, you know, associates, I don't think if we didn't feel that way. I think that was probably assumed uh, on the on the front end. Yeah. Um, But I, I will say, I think there is, like on a certain level, I have some empathy for educators who get into that space, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're doing very difficult work and you're trying hard and you're not being successful, it's easy to like find someone to blame. And when you're a classroom teacher, there's only you and the kids in the room, right? <laughs> right. So if you're not blaming yourself, you know, probably the kids are going to catch a piece of it, right? Right. So I understand the like human defense mechanism aspect of that and have some empathy for it. I don't have much empathy for the like staying in that space, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, I understand the temporary feeling and then you got to get out of it. And I think the uh, phrase I like to use, which I did not come up with, um, I don't remember where I got it from. Was like the parents are not keeping all the good kids at home. Right? Like <laughs> these are the kids; <laughs> these are the best ones we have. <laughs> like I so, like that. Yeah, so we got to be able to to understand who they are, what their strengths are, and work with them, right? Yes. And there's not like some secret other place where all the good kids are. Like these are the kids. They are largely a reflection of the world in which they grew up in, which we as adults have created. Mm-hmm. So if we don't like things about them, we should probably consider ourselves partially responsible at least and work with them as they are. And that's it. This is the other thing I love about you. Not only do you not demonize the students, you don't demonize the teachers, you don't demonize the parents. It's, it's, it's really a whole other way of looking at it. And you often providing new conversations and tools 
that parents and teachers could use in the sense that now I know what's happening in the school. Like the show that I happen to be on was about mm-hmm. trauma-informed um, education. And that's a conversation some people probably have never had or have ever heard. And you were able to uplift that conversation. Was that what the goal was when you were starting out to develop this show? Yeah, that was definitely one of our goals, um, trying to get education, conversation, and dialogue um, to a place that, you know, um, is rarely seen in terms of, especially for folks outside of education. Uh, You know, education is so rarely discussed in any kind of national media in general, um, but we're all tied to education somehow, some way. You know, either you got kids that go to school, everyone has their own uh, individual education. educational experience um, and obviously a lot of our audience work with schools so there there's so many perspectives out there but to bring that conversation together and actually take the time to look at all these different issues because there's so many moving parts and that's one of the uh, I guess frustrating things in education there's so many problems and so many moving parts that nothing really is is just an isolated thing like you know we could talk about school funding but that's like only the one thing even if you solve the funding part then there's uh, you know teacher quality and even if you solve that then you have students you know dealing with trauma and you and there's there's so many different parts and, you know, that that's sort of one of our, our – the main purpose for having the show is having those conversations um, routinely and, and over time. Yeah, I think that what's really interesting about education is everybody thinks on some level that they're an expert about education because mm. we've all gone to school. And I don't mean to belittle people's experiences and that sort of thing because those – you know, you spend 12-plus <laughs> years, right, sitting, sitting in a classroom. Eight hours a day. Exactly. <laughs> like you obviously know some stuff. But that's very different. Like nobody goes to the doctor and thinks that they know so much more about medicine than the doctor, right? right? Um, and educators have, um, have have expertise and have knowledge and – um, I think we wanted to elevate um, some of that and bring people into a conversation about about education. I think, you know, I would be surprised if most people know that, like, the single largest thing that every state in this country spends money on every single year is education, right? And um, so much of our resources, our attention, our efforts are going into schools. And some of that is great and some of that is really not working out the, the way that we would hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, to bring people into the interesting parts of the conversation, um, you know, we have so many young people, as you so eloquently spoke to, um, you know, on, on the show who are dealing with issues related to trauma. And some of that trauma is being either reinforced or caused by the school and intentionally or unintentionally, you know, dealing with that is going to help us get to where we want to get, which is, you know, kids feeling supported and cared for and kids learning a lot of stuff and having great options when they, when they finish school. And so uh, there's just so many interesting things to talk about. We wanted to, to bring people into the conversation. And, and let's talk about some of these topics. So you guys have some really great topics. Because I'll say this off top, I'll be 100% honest. When people tip tips, if someone tells me there's a teacher's podcast, my mind doesn't go to the topics that you guys talk about. Yeah. I think about like those old like PBS shows, yeah. <laughs> teachers doing the math <laughs> on the board, you right, know. Right. I, I wouldn't have thought we're going to be discussing things like school choice. Because I feel like those conversations happen more like, you know, in political spaces, not right. really amongst the teachers. I honestly haven't heard very many teachers speak on school choice. That was the first time watching your show I even heard any right. educators actually talking about it. I mostly hear about it from politicians and parents. and Everyone showed you the, the, uh, the parents that are sad that these, you know, their kid can't get into whatever charter school, you know, yeah, that yeah. whole thing. And it was interesting hearing the perspective from actual teachers and actual educators. Was that 
part of what you were trying to develop, making sure people heard that side of the conversation and that it wasn't completely black and white? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, you know, little, uh, I guess, unofficial slogan is a unstandardized take on education today um, with that unstandardized being bringing those perspectives and having those honest conversations. Uh, So many uh, education related podcasts or shows or or anything out there deal with like the actual classroom instruction on, you know, how best to implement literacy strategy or this or that. Obviously, all that is is critically important. Uh, But a lot of these other issues, especially the ones that uh, dive into political arenas and social arenas, um, you know, don't really get discussed much at all, uh, openly especially. So that's definitely what we wanted to do, bring those conversations to the forefront, because talking about education isn't always just about talking about you know, how to utilize this lesson plan in a class. Yeah. And, and I would I would just add to that and say they either don't get discussed or they don't get discussed by educators. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to have uh, to have a forum where, um, you know, where we are, uh, where we're having the conversation about these things that impact virtually every child <laughs> and virtually right. every person in our society um, with people who have spent their careers doing the work is just so different than, you know, a press conference with the governor about who's going to be on the state, you know, board of this and that, right? right. Um, and those things are obviously important too. But, the um, you know, in other fields, when we want to know about, you know, what's, what's what, uh, you know, what do we need to learn about this issue in law, we turn to the American Bar Association, right? We ask mm-hmm. a bunch of lawyers. Uh, we need to know about, you know, construction we turn to the bricklayers and the architects and stuff right like the people who do the work and too often in education we actually don't turn to the practitioners uh and i think that's that's unfortunate um and so hopefully our show is a is is a venue for people to to get some insight into well like what do the people who do this every day think about Mm -hmm. these issues that are really really juicy and interesting to talk about have you received any pushback or anyone saying, hey, I don't like what you guys are saying on your show? Or has um, everyone been extremely supportive? Well, it depends on the uh, platform. <laughs> so YouTube channel-wise, <laughs> those who listen to the audio version of the podcast, all been positive, all been great. Um, the place where we get some, uh, I guess we could call it pushback, um, <laughs> would Trolling. be Facebook. Yeah. Um, any Facebook video that brings up anything related to race, immigration, yeah. um, issues like well, that, then you get well all the was called a pencil neck. Pencil neck. Libtard. Which is like, I mean, I'm skinny, man, but pencil neck is just I, like. I'd never even heard of that. I hadn't until um, the other day I heard some uh, conservative, um, actually, was it the president? Somebody used that term. and I was like, I heard that before. I've been called that. <laughs> Uh, wow. But, yeah, we've been called out her name uh, yeah. in all kinds of different ways when we've uh, advocated for, um, you know, all students, particularly students dealing with, um, you know, trauma associated with the current anti-immigration climate and, and, and racism and all that. Then you get all the trolls coming out talking about, like, you know, stick to teaching English and math and why are we talking about this? You liberal teachers trying to indoctrinate our kids and all that craziness. Mm-hmm. Facebook is yeah. where that yeah. Although we do we do have one YouTube troll we who do. gives a, who gives a thumbs down to every video. <laughs> wow! I'm, I'm convinced it's Betsy DeVos because we've got to be. We have we have be. been known to uh, go hard at Betsy uh, from yes. time to time I've, on the show. I, I, I noticed that a little bit, just a <laughs> yeah. little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but rightfully, I mean, honestly, who can make yeah. excuses? For yeah, her no, at she, this point? she just gets what she deserves at this point. So, yeah, absolutely. Really quickly, I just want to give listeners a tiny taste of what a discussion with you 
kind of sounds like. So I had a couple of questions I'd be interested in getting your perspective on. So for a lot of people, when they think about education in the classroom, they feel like students should come in, sit down, be quiet, hands folded, you know, and absorb all this knowledge that the teacher is giving you. And this is what good students do. That's not the reality. Right. Ever. And I'm pretty sure it has never really been, at least not in America. Right. But that's what people believe to the point where now the idea is, well, if the students are having other issues in that classroom, that's for their parents to deal with and not for the teacher. Do you share that perspective? Do you feel that teachers should really care about students outside of academics or should their focus be on what's happening in the classroom? Hmm. I think uh, whether you want it to be that or not, it is that. Right. Um, learning is fundamentally a social process. And I don't want to get too theoretical for, for folks here, but but ultimately, whether it's an infant who's you know being held by their parent and pointing to something and that parent says, oh, that's a tree and gives you language for it. And you learn how to represent the world with words or whether you're a 11th grader in, you know, AP calculus. Right. Trying to understand the area beneath this curve. Um, the the way the human beings learn things is fundamentally a social process. We learn it by relating to other people, whether that's through sitting next to someone and talking, whether that's through, um, you know, reading other people's ideas. And so the idea that um, that what the ideal is in a classroom is quiet uh, individual people in rows who are not interacting with other people, I would say it's fundamentally at odds with what uh, we know to be the cornerstone of learning. One And then on the more social, emotional, relational side of what you're bringing up, um, you could choose to ignore the the emotional currents of what's taking place in class. And you can choose to say, well, I'm just a teacher. I teach physics and this is what I'm you know what I do. I'm here to teach you how to calculate acceleration. And this is the formula and do it. Um, And you might you know, that might work for some of the kids. But the reality is, if your goal is to ensure high levels of learning for all of your students, then you're going to have to get into like what's happening with my kids right now and how does how they're presenting themselves today either enable the learning that we want to take place in the class or get in the way because there are other needs that are more important to be addressed at this moment. And so there's all kinds of things that, you know, outstanding teachers like Manuel here do to build relationships, to build trust um, and to to, you know, help students come to school in a place where they can learn and know that what they are bringing to the table is going to be valued in that conversation as well. Well, unfortunately, we are completely out of time. Thank you so much for that answer. That was a beautiful way of putting that. Very eloquent. Very eloquent. And I'm hoping other educators hear you and listen. And people who keep, you know, trying to say it's not the teacher's job. Not the teacher's job. Hopefully they heard what you said and they understand it, that's part of your job. Yeah. You teach students, <laughs> not not physics. Exactly. Nice. But nice. I, I want to thank our guests, Manuel Rustin and Jeffrey Garrett. You can check out all of the all the above show and learn more about them on their website, www.aotashow.com. You can also subscribe to their channels on YouTube, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch episodes of their 
of their show on their Facebook page. So be sure to follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash AOTA show. Special thanks to my fellow producers, Sabah Wahid and Riku Masuda, as well as our broadcast engineer, Gary Baca. And of course, many, many thanks to all of you for tuning in today and every Wednesday for Flip the Script. However, this is our last night at this time slot on this day. We will keep you up to date on the new changes on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Flip the Scripts LA. Stay tuned for Pacific Informativo Pacifica coming up next. Porque su voz es la que cuenta. Bienvenidos. Todos los jueves de 8 y 30 a 10 de la noche por el 90.7 FM. Escuche nuestra voz, programa de actualidad, información, análisis.